So I should wish you all a happy new year because, as I'm sure you know, in the church, the liturgical year begins with Advent. This is the start of the new year. And this is often the case in the Catholic Church. If there are going to be any changes in the liturgy, maybe a change in the prayers or something, it often begins to be implemented at the start of the year in Advent. But what often is not known is that before those huge global changes are made, the church likes to sort of test out these changes at different sites. And so the Vatican scoured the globe and realized that Father Trout was away right now, and that therefore St. Joe's would be a wonderful site to try out. So there are certain call and responses that we have, obviously, in the Mass. We're well trained in that from our childhood, right? The priest says something, the people respond. So humor me, let's just try a few of these. The Lord be with you. One God forever and ever. Okay, we know these. And so the little change that the church wants us to test out and see how it goes here is that after the people respond, the priest will say, so what? So let's just try one of those. The Lord be with you. So what? Now what's interesting about that is you can almost tell where the presider comes from. So you might have a South Chicago presider. So what? You might have a North Shore presider. So what? You might have a Mundelein Seminary presider. Quid ergo? is that our church, well, St. Joe's, our parish, is inviting us to go into this consideration of grace and truth, as Julie said at the start of Mass. What I'd like to suggest is that truth is simply what is. And there's no more fundamental truth in the church than the fact that we are unconditionally loved by God. And fortunately and unfortunately, we learn that from the time we're just little kids. It's one of the first things we learn about God. God loves you unconditionally so that it can become so familiar that it's just kind of washing over us. And yet that's the truth that will never change. As you've heard me say before, on the best day of your life, that's all you got from God is unconditional love. And on the worst day of your life, that's all you got from God is unconditional love. So if truth is just that, then I'd like to suggest that grace is the so what. You're loved unconditionally by God, so what? Don't you realize what's happened? We could go to Lurie's Children's Hospital. I can see lots of so what's echoing up and down the halls. We can see people struggling, underemployed, unemployed. So what? God loves you unconditionally. And that's why grace matters. One of the biggest mistakes I can make in the church, and maybe you make it sometimes yourself, is that, again, grace is just one of those words that kind of flows by. We know it's there, but so what? Well, it's the so what. It's the what that really matters. Because grace is just a fancy word for what God has to offer. Books and books are written about grace, but at the end of the day, if you simply think of grace as the one gift God gives, you've got it. You've nailed it. The problem is that grace is being offered unconditionally and we receive it in a very conditioned way. We know this if instead of grace we say love. Our hearts are conditioned all the time. 
We don't unconditionally receive what is unconditionally being offered. Think about all the ways we get little filters on our hearts. We're angry, we're ashamed, we're bitter, we're sad, we're despairing. And a lot of times we have little control over that. Sometimes we feel that way because of what's been done to us through no fault of our own. Sometimes we feel that way because of just human conditions that we experience in these bodies, depression, sadness. But all of those things get in the way at times, not letting ourselves be loved. And it sounds crazy, but I think if you reflect on it a little bit, we know what this looks like. Have you ever tried to love an angry person? Even if they're not angry at you, it's hard to love an angry person because they're not always interested in receiving the love. To actually receive love that is offered can sometimes bring some calm or some peace to an angry heart. And I know there are times in my anger, I want to be angry, thank you very much. Kind of keeps everything in its place. It's hard to love a heart that's in the grip of despair. Not because we're not offering it, but because that person struggles to receive it. They struggle to be open to it because they may not see themselves as loving. They may not believe there's such a thing as love left anywhere in the world. So when I say that grace is the answer to the so what, what I mean by that is, to the degree we can let the grace in and receive it, then it's transformative. Then the truth, the enduring truth that God loves you unconditionally actually makes a difference. Not because God is stronger or weaker on any given day, but we are more receptive and love is transformative. We know what that looks like. So you get that beautiful image in the first reading from Isaiah. Please never let anyone tell you that in the Old Testament you don't have beautiful visions of the love of God. And it's the vision of everyone going up the mountain, the mountain to Jerusalem. And when I say everyone, he means everyone. He doesn't just mean the Israelites who are his friends. He means the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And later, he could mean the Romans. All these sources of anger and division and warfare. Well, think about what happens when you go up a mountain. As you get closer and closer to the top, you get closer and closer to each other. You may comfortably start on opposite sides of that huge rock. But if you want to get to the top and everybody else wants to get there as well, sooner or later, it's going to get awfully cozy. And then you've got to decide, what do I do? Does God love them as unconditionally as he loves me? And if I think the answer is yes, then what does it mean to let that love transform my heart? And how do I maybe help the other guy, the other gal, have a heart that's more receptive? And so Isaiah lays out this dream, right? It'll be a dream when as we get closer to the top and I want to get my sword out, somehow it turns into a plowshare. Not magically, but because hearts become more receptive. And so the church in her brilliance, this is what I love about Advent and Lent, every reading you hear on every day of the week, not just Sunday, Mass every day during Advent, the readings are very carefully chosen, all three of them or both of them, to reflect on each other. And so in the gospel today, seemingly we get this angry message, right? Or be prepared, watch out. One will get taken, one will be left. 
But shame on us if we take that out of context. Where that is, it's in chapter 24 of Matthew, and 24 and 25 are meant to be read together as a unit. You're kind of going up this gospel mountaintop, and the very crescendo is the end of Matthew 25. That's the, I was in prison and you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was alone and you came to me and we might plug in. I was despairing and you gave me hope. That's how we help open up closed hearts that struggle to receive the truth of God's unconditional love. That's how we help someone receive the grace that is there for the taking. And so maybe just a little spiritual exercise as we move into this first week of Advent is to take a page out of the crescendo that Matthew is leading us to, that our gospel is just one little snippet not to be meant to take out of context, and to say, what does it look like for me? How can I literally love another heart into being more receptive? It's that practice of self-gift, because that's what holds us back. If I visit you in prison, well, I don't want to go to prison. I don't know what that's going to be like. That's going to take up time from me. If I take care of your need, I'm going to have a little less for myself. It's not because we're awful, selfish people, but the voice of fear can often say, don't go there. And so to practice wherever the opportunity is for us to just be self-gift to another, that's how we help open hearts to receive the offer of grace. And so in the GROW series, our marching orders for this week are be a grace to somebody else in your life. And I'd like just to slightly nuance that. No matter how hard you try, you will not be a grace. You were not a grace yesterday. You are not a grace today. You will not be a grace tomorrow. That grace comes from God. It don't come from us. But what we can do, and this is huge, what we can do is help the people in our lives be maybe just a little bit more receptive of that grace. And so what is that opportunity for me or for you? Do you recognize a heart that maybe isn't so open to being loved? Then what does it look like to open that heart just a crack? I can't tell you that generically, but we're not idiots. We know what that looks like specifically for the people who are close to us in our lives. Enduring truth. God loves you unconditionally. He always has and he always will. So what? Grace matters.